Hey, Cowboy Junction, look at you guys. Man, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. For those that haven't been here in a while, or maybe this is your first time at Cowboy Junction, we're in a series called You'll Be Glad You Did. And we're basing this on some decisions, some wisdom that we need to really lean into. And if we can embrace this wisdom, there'll be a day we turn around and go, man, I'm so glad I did that. We're talking about one particular thing, wisdom, but in regards to your soul. We don't talk about our soul very often, but there's a body, a soul, and a spirit. And your soul, and this is something I'm passionate about, your soul needs replenishing, your soul needs rejuvenation, your soul gets tired, it really does. When your soul gets tired, you get very vulnerable, okay? Your soul gets tired and crankiness ends up coming out. You think it's your body, but you just got sleeping all night and you wake up and you're still tired. You could have soul fatigue. that's, That's a word you need to write down, soul fatigue. Soul fatigue comes out in grumpiness, irritability, you, you just don't love people, you don't like people, and, and, and maybe you're like poking the person next to you right now. And it, frustration, it comes in the form of, of unfulfillment, you just never are satisfied, you're never happy. And, and it's, it's so many other things, but your soul is very important to the kingdom of God. Um, your, your body is very important, your soul is very important. But your spirit, your spirit is this place where God meets with you one-on-one and speaks to you and he transforms your life. All of these are connected and there's wisdom nugget guidelines that we've been talking about. Now, if you're in this place and you would go, I don't even know if I know Jesus, then I'm, I'm glad you're in this conversation. Because first of all, you're going to recognize you have a soul and you have a spirit, but you've been living the flesh, okay? And and. I would love for you to embrace and to look at there's a deep side of you. Maybe some of you are like, oh, I am very connected to my soul. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? There are counterfeit things out there that actually put you in bondage that you think gives you freedom. And we can talk about that in a great counseling session, me and you sitting down and having coffee together. Um, Pastor Mondo would love to meet with you. Uh, in seriousness, I love to meet, to talk to people about how to take a step closer to following Jesus. Now, in today, I have something I'm so ready for. I am, I'm giddy, you guys, on what we're going to study today, okay? But it's a little deep, and I want to make sure that you guys stay on board, okay? So I've put together some stuff today, but if you would... Would you, would you join me in prayer for everybody on our online campus? We're so glad you're joining us, but would you pray for me real quick? Father God, we love you. We just pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is your word, backed up by your, your scripture, your word. Jesus, I pray that you are glorified, honored, and praised. And I, I ask this, Holy Spirit, all throughout today's message, if there's these little trigger points that we need to pay attention to, would you quicken our attention to recognize that that was said not to just say it but it was said because we knew they would be here today so open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive we love you we thank you it's in jesus name we pray amen your soul okay so to start today off i want to show you something 
Very interesting. Some of you have seen this before, but this is the tabernacle of God. The tabernacle was a very important thing for the Jewish people. It wasn't just because this is where worship took place. It wasn't just because this is where the presence of God was. There were so many other deep and wide reasons why this was so important to the Jewish people. And one of the reasons is because it's a soul thing, okay? And, and this represents all kinds of different stuff. Let me show you the four things that this represents. There's an outer court, okay? Every, every, everything outside this wall, that's an outer court. This is where friends would meet and talk. This is where unbelievers would, could gather. This is where people would come and just hang out on the outer court, okay? Then there's this inner court, the inner court. We'll talk about that here in a minute. This is where the, the, the what would be called the most holy place, okay? There is a, an altar there that has coals and incense and is burned. And literally, there's a vortex of smoke going up from this altar. And it's the prayers from the priests who are serving in that area for this one time in their life. They only got one time in their life that they would serve here for a certain allotted amount of days, okay? And this is where they would pray for the people of Israel. But every priest that served there for this once-in-a-lifetime thing, okay, they would get one request to be given to God. Really cool thing happened here. Okay, there's, there's other stuff here, but we're just going to skip over it real quick. But this is the Holy of Holies. So the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place, and the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest was allowed in once a year to make atonement for the children of Israel. And it was not something you lightly went into because God said, this is where I'll be. This is, this is before Jesus. This is the, the whole thing that God set up with Moses. We see it carried on in Solomon as he builds the temple. This is actually a tent this is how it originated when God turned to Moses and he goes, you're going to be out in the wilderness, but you need a place to know that that's my dwelling place. We're going to be wandering in the wilderness, but the tribes will encompass around this center point of where people can gather, people can go to, where prayers can be made, but where I will be. A holy of holies. And so they, this is so sacred for Jewish people. But for the New Testament believer in Christ Jesus, we've been talking about the soul. And the funny thing is, is that you have a part to play in what now is the temple. Okay? Because you've been given a body, you've been given a soul, and you've been given a spirit. There is a body, there's a soul, and there's a spirit. And there is this connection that you have and I have with the old tabernacle. And this is seen in um, 2 Corinthians. Paul says something. Paul says something really cool. He says this, Or do you not know that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you whom you have from God and you 
are not your own. Now, if you're taking pictures, if you like it to take pictures, take a picture of this. Remember 1 Corinthians because there's so much depth in this one scripture. It's letting us know there's no longer a temple. You are now the temple. He is dwelling within you. The moment that you step into this thing that we call salvation, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. And so I'm going to jump back, okay? I want to jump back. So now you see here, there's a lot that happens here that we have to discuss when it comes to you. And this is where it gets rich. And this is where it gets really deep. So go with me. Let's first start off and talk about this area. This is known as the Holy of Holies. The presence of God dwelt here. And let me show you the scripture that backs it up. So when God turns to Moses and he says, Mo, there's going to be a meeting place. You're going to be my people, but there has to be a place that you can say, he goes with me. My God goes with me. And so I'm going to take you to Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 25, 22, listen to these words. He says, and there in the holy place, not, not in the most holy place or the out, inner court or the outer court. He says, in this place, Moses, I'm going to meet with you alone. Nobody else is going to be allowed in here. This is where I'm going to meet with you alone, Moses. And he says, I will meet with you. And then look at these words. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which, which I will give you in the commandments to the children of Israel. I'm going to talk to you about the things that I want you to turn to the children of Israel and says, God wants us to do this, and God wants us to do this, and he wants us to stop doing this, and he wants us to stop doing this. And this is God who has met with me, and I have been in his presence there's a whole story behind that because Moses would come out glowing. He'd been in the presence of God. The people would listen. But notice what isn't happening in the Holy of Holies. Moses isn't talking. This is a place where God speaks and meets with Moses. It's a moment of silence. A moment of quietness. And this is what your spirit should be. Not us praying vain prayers to God. Not us praying self-centered prayers to God. Not us asking God to build our kingdom. But you need a spirit where God can meet with you and you don't say a word. But you listen. You listen, okay? Now, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe, maybe you're like, wait, but you guys got to know me. I'm just going to say what I say. Shh, no. Zip it, Skippy. Trust me, you don't want what you can give. You're craving what only God can give. This is the Holy of Holies, okay? So let's go back to the, 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 the blueprint, okay? So we have the Holy of Holies, and then we have this area called the Most Holy Place. And like I said, this is where a priest would come and serve once in a lifetime, and he would pray for Israel, and he would get one prayer for himself. And... You couldn't just enter this area. Okay, this is what I'm going to show you. You couldn't just enter this area. There was something that had to be done at every area before it in order to approach the next area. So what had to be done to be able to pray the prayers that would 
touch the ears of God. What had to be done to pray prayers that weren't vain, self-centered, arrogant? What had to take place? There had to be a lot of work that happens right here. Now, if on the outside, everybody's doing their thing, they're all talking, you've got an outside life, you've got an outside life, but what I want to pitch to you today is that this is a representation of this, and in order to continue to move on to the places that I think you really want to be, you want to be in a place where God can hear your prayers. But so many of us are discouraged in praying because we're praying prayers that God's not listening to because it's not his will for your life. And when some of us are going to get discouraged because we know we're praying prayers that God's not going to hear. But now it's like, somebody teach me how to pray. So we buy a 10-step book on the 10 things you need to know about praying, and we read it, and we, we change our prayers. But it's like we're using the right words, but something hasn't changed in here. It's like telling your wife, I told you I love you. Okay, guys, let me say, <laughs> if you ever turn to your wife and you say, what? I told you I love you. you. You used the words, but you didn't do it the right way. Okay, that'll preach. That's a marriage class that Pastor Mondo's going to be teaching soon. And, um, yeah, so, so what is happening out here that's such a big deal? And this is where I want to get your attention. I'm not here to talk about Holy Holy today. But I'm not here to talk about the, the uh, most holy place. This is where our attention is drawn today. This is the place where the struggle is taking place. This is the place where the chaos is. And let me show you what I'm talking about. This is a place to where people have come from all around to offer their sacrifices, their offerings to God, a lamb. And this lamb you picked out of the herd. And this lamb has been separated from its family, its friends, and this lamb is letting you know it. He's loud. He's, he's screaming. He doesn't want to be led. He's pulling against the rope, but your family is urging and pushing. And you come through the gate, and you come inside, and the priest directs you into a holding pen to where you think your lamb's loud. loud. Now let's add many lambs. And it is to the senses and your ears it is screaming, bleeding chaos. From there, the priest will come and say, you're, you're next in line. Let's get your lamb. And then he will lead the lamb across to where the sacrifice will take place, where the knife and the blood, where the prayers are prayed onto the lamb, where the sacrifice is then. And for the animal lovers in the room, they did it gently. And, and there's a sacrifice that takes place. And now there is this sight that is so hard to see. From there, the lamb is split in half and placed on a fire. And now the smell of burning flesh, the sound, the sight, the smell, all five of your senses are being hit in every possible way. And to explain this area right here, the only word you could use is chaos. 
And you don't think chaos really goes with God. You think God is order. You think God is, is peace. And all of these things are true. And what I want you to see is that in the middle of the chaos, there is complete order. And the priests are moving forward in the peace necessary to do what needs to be done. What we're going to call today the hard work. The hard work. And so here's the lesson for today. Okay, I want you to lean in. This isn't about a tabernacle. This isn't about, this is about your soul. And the hard work that very few people talk about. In today's day, and I'm guilty of this, salvation is a free gift from the Lord, which is absolutely true. But the reality is, from the free gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus, it now opens up to the hard work necessary to become the mature Christians that he's asking us to be. Of trust, faith, and to be full of those things. And we don't realize that your soul, well, here's my point. Your soul, your soul longs to finally struggle with the chaos. And in the end, it will be the very thing that will actually lead you to the surrender that your soul has been longing for. Now, you may be going, my soul ain't asking for that. And, and, there are nights you wake up and you wonder if you will ever, ever have joy again. There are nights that you wake up and you think, this is life, this is how it's going to be, it's always going to be like this. Everybody deals with it, and yet you watch other believers in Christ Jesus live this surrender life to where you can see that they've walked through the chaos, and they have walked through the sacrifice, and they have separated themselves from th the things that are required to be laid down and you see a surrender take place in them, and you see a maturity take place in them, and you think, how come it worked for them, and it doesn't work for me? Because there was an identifying of the longing that their soul had to finally deal with God in the middle of the chaos for the complete surrender necessary to be a firm believer in Christ Jesus. In fact... I'd like to show you some scripture to back this up. This scripture is the very scripture that we wrestle with as believers. Let me show you Philippians. Philippians says this, therefore my beloved, remember this, I love you, my beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you to both will and do his good pleasure. Now, there's a few things I want to point out. The author is writing and he says, okay, listen, I've got to leave. I can't pastor you this week. I can't be there for you this week. My, my ministry is required somewhere else. So while I'm gone, I want you to get, take the day off. That's not what he says. I just want you to be at ease. That's not what he says. 
He says, I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we don't like scriptures like this. Because what he's saying is, the blood of Jesus has done its work. But now it's time for you to do your work. My wife gave me a bigger amen when I told her that behind the, the walls. She's like, Ty, you got to use that. Now I can go to her and say, they either liked it or they were playing on their phones. <laughs> Paul is, the author of Philippians is saying, the blood of Jesus has done his work. And now it's time for you to do your work. And look what it says. It goes on. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain it's this it's this process the work begins now we have walked out of the the outer court we are in the inner court and it's not going to be easy but our soul says good it is about time we deal with these things it is about time we are honest it is about time that we are up front it is about time that we pull the covers back. It is about time. And our soul says yes. And our flesh says no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't talk about the crucifixion that has to take place in us. Your soul is ready to die. Your soul is ready for certain things of the flesh to die. Your soul is ready to deal with it, finally. And if you notice, it is so hard to pray God's will when we are so immature in our way. It is so hard to know God's plan and his direction and his purpose for our life when we still play games in the flesh. And your soul, let me just tell you, even if you're in this room and you're like, I just feel like I'm getting, you're condemning me. No, no, no. I'm loving you because down deep inside you have gone down every dead end. You have been broken and beat upon in every possible way. You are like a ship without an anchor being tossed up on the shores with every wave crashing against you. And your soul is exhausted. You could be a teenage boy in this room and be exhausted. You could be a teenage girl in this room and be exhausted. And can I turn to you and say your whole life you've heard Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And they were right. But I bet what they didn't say was Jesus did his job. Now it's time for you to do yours. You have allowed the enemy to come in and convince you of things that is not good. 
You have not dealt with the way that you think. You have not dealt with the condition of your heart. Your mouth speaks things that you have not tamed the tongue yet. You have not crucified the flesh. You have not done the hard work. And you have one foot in the kingdom and you've got one foot in your old life. And you will never be happy. You will never be satisfied. You will always blame God because you have accepted his work, but you haven't done your job yet. And the only reason that I can tell you this, and everybody on our online campus, the only reason I can have this much boldness is because I have been confronted too with people who love me and said, Ty Bean, you may be funny, you may be clever, you may be semi-athletic, and we're talking semi, not semi <laughs> You may be, just be the class clown in most school spirit, but you are so wrapped up in yourself, you will never be wrapped up in the things of God. Does this make sense? So, here we have this inner court. And people have walked through with their lambs and they're getting hit in every possible direction from every emotion, from the sound and the smell and the sight and the chaos, the absolute chaos. And yet in the middle of the chaos, there is order and there is peace and there is rhythm. And there is sacrifice. And there is offering. I was reading the story of Abraham while studying this message. It's one of the most hard to wrap your head around stories of when Abraham offered Isaac. But this story has so much rhythm with the chaos and in the middle of it is a God who provides, takes care of, and leads. Let's read it again, okay? So here you have Abraham, who has just been given his son, a promised son from God. Beautiful story. And God turns and says, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, Take now your son, this is God speaking, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Hmm. So, now that I've given you this son, I'm going to ask for him back. Can you imagine the faith that it took on Abraham's part. But can you imagine the faith it took on Isaac's part too? Forget Abraham. This has to be the story about Isaac. They both trusted God in the midst of the chaos. And the story continues. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire on the hand, in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together, went together. 
So, Mo, so, so, so Abraham lays Isaac on the altar. He takes the knife. He brings it up. He's bringing it down, and God says, stop. Don't you lay a hand on, that, on, that, on your son. And then the story continues. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. Isaac was once the offering, and therefore behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, this is so important, the, the Lord will provide. In the middle of the chaos, he names the place. This is where God provided an offering. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. There's another name for it. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because there are things that you've put before God. There are things that I have put before God. And if you're in this room and you have just told everyone, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I love Jesus. I, and I, 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 I'm a Christian. I celebrate you. And I, I love that we have this common denominator. But your soul now needs to step into the hard work. Your soul needs to lean into the precious things that are really between you and God. The things that have allowed themselves to accumulate over the years, the falseness, the self-righteousness, the areas that we just would just say, this is sweeping under the table, let's not deal with it, let's not talk about it. And the world may not know what they are, but God knows what they are because they keep you from him every day. And let me, let me show you back to the tabernacle and the body. So there's some really cool stuff that happens here, okay? And, and, and the same thing with your soul. Now, remember, we're talking about your soul, but there's some symbolisms that happen here that I really need to point out. There is a gate here. There is a gate here. There is a gate here. And... Does anybody know what the name of these gates are? To get to here, you have to walk through this gate. To get in here, you have to go through this gate. To get into the Holy of Holies, you have to walk through this gate. And now let me show you something real quick. Scripture tells us this. Got that scripture? Thomas turns to Jesus. After Jesus says, hey, where I go, you know. Guys, you can find me. You can find me. You can find me. And Thomas just finally speaks up and he goes, Lord, okay, come on. We don't know where you're going. And, 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 and how can we know the way? Do you remember Jesus' words? He says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what's interesting. The way, the truth, and the life is actually the name of the gates to each stage this is the gateway this is the gate truth and this is the gate life and to a bunch of christians like us gentiles all of us there's some people in the room that are jewish but most of us are are gentiles 
We just kind of think it's a clever little way that Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm in the, what am I? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we go, oh, that's clever how he just comes up with those things like that. And yet if you were Jew in that day and you heard Jesus say, okay, wait, wait, wait. If you ever need to look for me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Instantly they went back to this diagram and knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he says, you're on the outer court, you're on the outside, and you need to come in the way that I do things. Come through the gateway, for I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Each gate, when he said these words, they said, he's saying, he's saying what they say at the temple every day. And to be in his way, we have to do the hard work work the the sacrifice the noises the sound the chaos we have to come over here and present it to God it has to be a burnt offering and what's really cool is after we've done the hard work that our soul longs for us to do from this burnt offering they would take the coals just the coals not the fire just the coals and bring it into this area the most holy place, and put incense on it. And the vortex would go up and the prayers would be heard by God because the hard work had been done and they came in one way and they left a different way. Do you want your prayers to be heard? There has to be something done out here. It is the way. You can't get away from it. And your soul longs for it, but not as much as Jesus wants to do it. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. Let me, let me give you a point. Your soul, your soul longs to finally struggle, finally fight with. Like Jacob wrestled God. Your soul longs for you to finally struggle with the chaos that will lead you to of a surrender of your soul. We've talked about that. We've, we've said in, in this series, we've said, you have to surrender your will. You have to lay it down. And this is what your soul wants so much. Your soul, your soul longs for you to do the hard work. And I know we don't talk about that in church. It's like, I thought the, church was, the work was already done. It was. But now the honesty begins. And, and here's what's interesting. Let's go back to the tabernacle, okay? Some of you are praying for family members. And some of you are praying for, for your, your friends to come to Jesus. Some of, you are, some of you are saying, God, I can't continue to follow you with my friends means so much to me and they keep pulling me back. I'm gonna, bring, I'm gonna believe for their salvation. I'm gonna believe for their salvation. You know where the gateway was? The beginning gate. It was this little open area that everybody on the outside court, including unbelievers, could talk and walk and enjoy each other and peek into this area right here. And guess what they were peeking into? Your chaos. They were peeking into the struggle. You see, you want to tell your friends what they need to do, but God wants you to show your friends what you're doing with him. How they're not going to be changed by your words. 
They're going to be changed by what they see. When they see you, and they're like, he used to not be like that. Man, he used to run from hard things. He didn't ever run to the truth. He always told the lie. He was the first one to get us out of trouble. He was never one to ever let go of anything. And I see him presenting himself to God. I can still see the old him. The part of him that you see his flesh freeze up every now and then. And that's, it's so terrifying. Your flesh wants to not do it, but your soul is saying, no, this has to be done. And your friends and your family and the people you love are watching. But it's not your words that are going to change them. It's when they watch from the outside in, you walk in the way that God is saying, trust me. Bring it to me. Take it to sacrifice. Present it to me. Good job. Now, you may come from my way to my truth and my life. This is your soul. The tabernacle. This is your soul that you hold the spirit of God. And so I have a few things. I have a few things I want to wrap this message up with. And I want it to talk to you. I want you to, I want you to wrestle this, okay? I think... I think we need to deal with trust. It is no good to God if you're fearful. It is no, it's no good to God if you're forced to do it. This is a moment that you have to realize that the good shepherd is leaning down and he's taking your face and he goes, block out all the noises, block out the chaos, look in my eyes. Follow me. Follow me. Because you know, listen deep. You know I'm talking to you. And because of trust, you're able to follow the high priest, the good shepherd, to the point to where the sacrifice is made. Let me, let me show you about trust. First John, it says this. 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect fear casts out fear but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and you know that feeling right and whoever fears has not been perfected in love so you know what I hope this message does for you today I hope it points out a key area of your life that you have not been stepping into his way but I pray in all the messages you've heard here from me to the people that pastor this church that God loves you and only wants his best for you. That in this area of trust, we can trust God even in the sacrifices. And, and, the, and it's in this area that we have to let go. This is the area that we break bad habits this is the area that we surrender our will to God. This, this is the areas that we re reveal the lies that we've been telling. This is the area that the covers come back and the light is shine in the darkness. And there are areas we're not proud of. There are areas that we, we know down deep 
that I cannot expect to know what I want so badly with my Savior and continue in the things that I've done for years. This is the area where sacrifice takes place, where through the blood of Jesus, you're able to step into the love of God and gently and carefully, we start dealing with the truth. That we sacrifice. It's time to be honest with yourself. You don't realize that your children have seen you be completely contradictory of what you say you believe. And this is the area that God says you need to go to your children and you need to be honest with them and apologize to them. This is where men are created. This is where men of humble, gentle, powerful kingdom of Godness comes out. Because you don't run from the hard thing, you're actually known for stepping into the hard thing. And it's not the hard thing isn't confrontation with people or, or, or laying down the law, being the company man. The hard thing is the thing that God is saying, come to me and sacrifice that. It's an Abraham wanting to keep his son and God's saying, he's not your son, he's my son. And you need to let go and be the steward that I've called you to, but you have to sacrifice that. And it's not an anger thing, it's not a mad thing, God's not mad at you. It is this control that you've had that you've got to trust God. And your soul wants so bad for you to do it. You have carried the burden of trying to do the best job you can. You've carried this burden, you've carried this burden, and it's not your, it's not your burden to carry. It's God's. And it's only in your soul that you're able to sacrifice the things and lay it before our God. now he can meet with you sacrifice sacrifice does not indicate a lack in this case sacrifice rather indicates a wholeness you will finally be whole you will finally be whole let's deal with the wholeness in this place is an offering an offering before the Lord, a sweet-smelling fragrance of cost. Of cost. To where God turns, I have seen God ask me for things that I considered a sacrifice to only see that once I was able to let go, could He provide for me the thing that was better than what I even had over and over in my life I've heard the voice of God ask me to make the sacrifice and he brought the provision to make the sacrifice and he made the way and when we make this offering before the Lord you heard me say it a minute ago you have come in one way and when you leave it'll be another way you come in one way, but you leave 
a completely different way. Luke chapter 17, verse, verse 20 says this, and now when he was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Okay, that, isn't that our question? When is God going to show up? When is God going to do this thing? He answered them and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here, he's over here, or see there. For indeed, and listen closely, the kingdom of God, everything you're looking for, is within you. This doesn't mean that all roads lead to God. This doesn't mean that you are your own personal priest leading yourself to God. No, it means what Jesus is saying here. The kingdom of God can be found when you step into his free work and accept the work that he wants to do in you. Then and only then will your soul say, oh, I'm so glad we did that. Okay, so how are we going to wrap today up? I came in this sanctuary last night and just stayed for, for quite a long time. I went down, up and down every seat in this sanctuary, and I prayed for you before you even got here. I might not even know your name. I might not even know your story, but I've already bathed your chair in prayer. And the moment you plopped your seat down, everybody in the back that's in the back, I even went to the lobby and prayed over your seat in the lobby. Uh, you, you can't find a place I didn't pray for over this church last night, okay? You've been prayed over. You've been believed for. And now the reality is your soul longs for you to finally step into the hard work that you have been wanting to do. It is time to be honest. It is time to seek help. It is time to put excuses aside. You're in trouble. You're in deep. It's going to lead to death. Maybe not the death that's the, like eternal death. It is the kind of death that you will, it will sacrifice your marriage. It will sacrifice your relationship with your kids. It will cost you in ways you can't pay. It is time to deal with it. And your soul needs this, and you will be glad you did. And so we're just going to ask everybody, just bow your head right where you're at. And Father, today I pray. I pray for my friends who may be here for the first time, but this message just kind of rings in their ear. I've ran from God. I have ran from my Creator. I have ran from my Savior. And I am ready to run back. God, let's wrestle this together. And for the believers in the room who know you and they, they celebrate the salvation that you provide, now we step into the way. And the way that we do things cannot continue. And I pray the Holy Spirit, I've been praying the Holy Spirit begin to just show you that one thing that he would say, kid, I need you to trust me. I need you to put your faith in me. I need you to put your trust in me. I need you to follow me. And that needs to stop. It needs to be killed. It needs to be sacrificed. 
And the sacrifice, the delete, to get away with, the honesty to pull someone aside and tell them the truth. Will it be painful? It will be painful. But it will be peaceful. It will be peaceful in the kingdom of God. Embrace the chaos because this is the way. All over this room, will you use your words for just a few minutes to be honest before God? Right where you're at, would you just take a minute and repent? Would you take a minute and possibly text yourself on instructions God's given you, even right now, of when you get in that car, you need to do this. When you get in that car, you need to set up this appointment. When you get in that car, you need to make this conversation. This conversation has been a long time coming. This is where addictions die. This is where truth begins. This is where pride dies. This is where your kingdom becomes an offering as you turn to God and apologize and you take your towers of Babel and you turn it into an offering to God. I should have never, I should have never put the first brick down. God, I, just, I should have never made that first phone call. This has come between you and me and it is not good for my soul. I sympathize with, with you only because I, this is daily for me. And I have embraced it and it is well with my soul. And to do it God's way leads us into his truth. And it's truth into our life. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me 
so that I could dwell in your path forever.